Living Porch community. It's good to see you. I'm glad that you are here, whether you are in the auditorium, of course, or those joining us online or listening in later on our podcast. However you're connecting with us today, we're really glad that you're part of today's experience. I'm Shannon, one of the pastors that gets to be on staff here. And just a very special welcome to any of those you happen to be your first time here. Uh, we are glad that you're checking out the Porch Community Church, and I think you've picked a really good time of the year and a day to be a part of, of what we are doing here. Um, before we go any further, I want to say this for sure. A big, big, big thank you to all of you who participated in our Christmas Impact. That's our local missions, our local uh, outreach that we're doing, and uh, we have partnered with Lowndes County Schools, and, uh, and they uh, gave us the names of oh, well over 100 children and uh, that we can bless this Christmas, and you guys have done that. Uh, every child was sponsored, and uh, you have made a difference in, in the, the life of a, a kid and their family this Christmas, so thank you very much for being a part of that. And not only that, but when you purchased your backpack, um, half of it covered the cost of the backpack, and the other half we are uh, giving, donating to making a, a gift to a local organization called the Mailbox Club. We've talked about them before. They're one of our community partners. Uh, we support them regularly with your tithes and offerings. We support them as the church. Um, but they have had an impact over the globe in children coming to know Jesus. So you're not just impacting our local community. You are impacting the community of our world. So thank you, thank you very, very much. Uh, I know Justin just prayed, but I want us to open up uh, I want to start with prayer this morning as we look at a good bit of scripture and, uh, and, and some more. So let's pray together. God, we, uh, we thank you for your word, which speaks truth into our lives. I believe that each of us are here today for a reason, for a purpose, and that we are going to hear from you in a profound way. So God, we, we need this kind of truth, we need this in our lives, and so we just ask that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit this morning, that we would be drawn closer to you, and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen, amen. So we are in the second uh, week of this series called Hark, where we are looking at the, the hymn, the song, the Christmas song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and uh, last week I offered to you a suggestion a challenge, if you will, to um, to not do something. <laughs> and and I just want to repeat it because uh, you might not have been here last week, or you might have forgotten, or you might be like me and you just need reminders. Um, and here's the here's the challenge of what not to do. Is let's together collectively agree today that we're not going to assume that we've got this whole entire Christmas thing figured out. That there's nothing new for us to learn. That there's nothing new for us to discover that there's nothing in scripture or in this hymn or anything that could be said today or sung today that you go, oh, wow. Um, let's, let's instead go, okay, God, um, would you reveal yourself in, in a new and a wonderful way? So that's the challenge before us. Um, I issued it last week. I issue it today. Uh, I did offer you another challenge last week, and it was to try to use the word hark in a conversation, and a sentence. Does anyone have success using hark somehow, some way? No? No one tried? 
Well, my friend, Sue Van Nortwick, surely did. Sue is a school teacher. She sent me this picture on Monday or Tuesday, and she decorated her door, and she was like, Hark, we just love Christmas, because she tries to put a coffee cup in all of her door things. I don't know, Casey. You know, yeah, it's your mom. God bless you. So we love Sue. Um, but anyway, so she sent me this, and I was like, yay, and all our students were like, Miss Van, what does Hark mean? She's like, use your Google Chrome. Look it up, and they did, so they learned a new word. And so I gave, uh, Sue won the prize. I gave her two thumbs up at the 930 service. Um, that was her prize for, for using Hark. Um, what we established last week, so we're walking through this, this hymn, this uh, song, and there's three stanzas. There's actually more than three stanzas, but there's three that we sing in Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And what we discovered and, and go, wow, is that Charles Wesley, the writer of this, he is, he's a poet. I mean, he is gifted in writing, and he wrote this, but he also had just really high theology in it. So it wasn't just good writing, but it was good theology. And so, or it wasn't just, you know, good theology and like, I don't even understand this. Like, he found a way to merge this. And that's why this song is so powerful and that we're walking through it. And so it's not just a quaint, nostalgic Christmas song. I mean, this is like theology, um, I want us to real quick go through the first stanza that we talked about last week. And it, here's where we go. Hark, which means listen. The herald angels sing. The angels responsible for announcing something say, listen up. They say, glory to the newborn king. And because this king has come, now we see that there's peace on earth and mercy. And the reason there's peace and mercy is because there was God over here and us over here, and in between was our sin. God can't have anything to do with it. And this newborn king came to reconcile us with God. And so the response to that is that joyfully we rise up with all the nations, all the people that have ever been on the earth, and we rise up, and not only that, but we join in the triumph of the skies, like even creation sings. We join in with the angels, and we proclaim that Christ is born in Bethlehem. So that was the first stanza, and um, let's jump into the second one this morning. It starts with this line, Christ by highest heaven adored. Now this is the, the second time that Wesley uses the word Christ. He just did it at the end of the first stanza when he said Christ is born in Bethlehem. But he says Christ by highest heaven adored. Now, what Christ means is, in the Hebrew, it's the word Messiah, which means Savior. And when the Hebrew was translated to Greek, they used the word Christos. And then when we translate the Greek to English, we get Christ. But it's all the same word, and it means the Savior, the Messiah. And so he begins by saying, this Messiah, the, the, the Savior, is here. Now, I want to pause for just a second, because I, I, I know I already said, hey, let's not assume we know everything. I have this tendency, and maybe you do as well, um, where I kind of interchange words. So uh, I can, we, <laughs> like we can say Messiah, or we can say Christ, or we can say Jesus, or we can say Lord, or we can say Savior, or we can say, you know, especially around Christmas, we can say Emmanuel, right? And we can use all these words at different times in different ways, and, and every time we're like, yeah, I gotcha. But there's, there's a reason that certain words are used at certain times all this describing who God is. And so I want, and the reason I pause here is because I want us to try to put ourselves in the place of the people that this 
that the scripture lines up with this hymn, like where they were and what their mindset was. Try to put yourself in the place of a group of people who, um, I was trying to think of like a way to explain it. So for lack of a better way of putting it, imagine you're part of a group of people who have been told a riddle and for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, you don't know the answer to the riddle. I know it's not the best way to explain it, but it's the best way I can try to do it, okay? This is the best way I know how to do this. See, because for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, people knew of the prophecy of a coming Messiah. They knew that one was going to come and save them. They knew that they were God's people and that he was going to send a Messiah, but they did not know who that Messiah was going to be, and they had no idea when that was going to happen. So the good news that Christ has come is amazing to them. The good news that the Messiah has finally come to save them is really, really, really good news. Okay? And so we can just kind of roll past this. Christ is the answer to the riddle. For the Israelites then, for the Israelites now, for you, for me, Christ is the answer to the riddle. And I know that as pastors we say this all the time. I'm going to say it too. If you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. Jesus Christ is the answer. He's the answer. He's the answer to the riddle. See, what we do is we search and we, we wonder who we are. <laughs> we wonder why we are. We, um, we search for purpose. We search for acceptance. We search for love. We search for all these things. And I want you to know today, I want you to hear today, if nothing else, that Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, is the answer to what you have been looking for. And that's why you are hearing this message today. Christ, the Messiah, by highest heaven adored. Charles Wesley draws this from Luke chapter 19, uh, verse 38, when it says this, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest so we've put in the in red words on the screen where we see it's tied back into the hymn glory in the highest wesley says this messiah this savior this prophesied promise of god right that's been there the christ is now here and is adored by highest heaven now what's really cool about this is see last week we we I explained to you we talked about how the phrase glory to God in the highest does not mean that it was talking about God being the highest it was talking about it was the highest glory that you could give and now we see that Christ by highest heaven adored is saying that not only is it the highest praise you can give but now Christ the Messiah the one who has come to save the world is now being praised adored by the highest beings that have ever been created angels and then you and i get invited into it christ by highest heaven adored which leads to the next line christ 
the everlasting Lord. See, you're going, okay, I know these lines. Here we go, I got it. Everlasting. I want us to really kind of zone in on this for a minute. See, this Messiah is no mere earthly king. He's not just an earthly king. He is eternal. Right? That's what everlasting means, eternal. And so what that means is that he is never going to give you up, and he's never going to let you down. And he's never, never going to give you up, never going to let you down, never going to run around and Merry Christmas. Some of you are going to look up what it means to be Rickrolled later. Now you know why I don't sing on Sunday mornings. Christ, please stop. That's what Casey's thinking. That, oh, is just like, please stop, move on. Christ, the everlasting Lord, okay? Listen, uh, by the way, all these lines that we're looking at in the, from the hymn and then the scripture, we're going to post either later this evening or first thing in the morning so that you can look at them later and study them. Because um, it's a lot, I know. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 11. Okay, Christ the everlasting Lord. This is, what, this is where Charles drew this from. It says this, The eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, you can find this all over, but he was directly drawing this from the eternal kingdom, the eternal aspect of who God is. He is everlasting. So, like I said, this Messiah, he is no mere earthly king. He's not just coming to wear a crown for a little while. He is eternal, right? He is everlasting. I'm not going to roll you again, but he is never, he is never going to end. He is never going to end. He is always going to be present. Listen to these words. See, I think some of us need to hear this today. This is who Jesus is. He is always going to be present. It's never going to end his eternal nature. He's always going to rule. He's, he's never going to be defeated. Nothing can defeat him. He is going to be forever and ever and ever the everlasting Lord of the universe. And we, friends, we get to call him Lord. I'll say it again because see so many of us we are searching for everlasting we are searching for fulfillment we are searching for truth we are searching for that one thing that makes sense that brings purpose that brings life and I'm telling you this morning that that thing is not a thing it's Jesus Christ and he is everlasting what too many of us do is that we search for this everlasting in people and in circumstances and news alert, neither of those are everlasting. Christ, the everlasting Lord. So we have Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. So it's setting all this up. The next line, late in time, behold him come. This is one of those lines you're like, okay, I'm okay. Late in time, was he running late? And then we all go, oh, look, there he is. Finally, we've been waiting. I mean, yeah, for, for the Jewish people who have been waiting and waiting and waiting, they might have thought he was late, but that's not what this line means. What it means is, is yes, it took a while, but he was right on time. Wesley's not saying that Christ was late showing up, right? He, he wasn't like that. Jesus isn't late like a lot of us are. He doesn't, he doesn't run late. Um, 
our media pastor Josh, he has this incredible spiritual gift. Not of running late, but of mixing metaphors. And he has developed this line that now has become a thing that we say. Um, he, it's coming in hot on two left feet. You see what he did there? So like one day he just said that, and we're like, that's not a thing. Well, now it's a thing. So now we will like text each other like, hey, I'm coming in hot on two left feet. Like, Jesus is not coming in hot on two left feet. You're, you're coming in hot on two wheels. You got to... And then, I don't know what the first part is, but like, I, I can't dance because I've got two left feet. I don't know. Is that, you see the combo there? Okay. Well, that's not Jesus. Okay. He can dance, and he's not, on, he's not late. Jesus doesn't make these, I mean, think about this. Jesus doesn't make his amazing, like, prophesied appearance to humanity late. It doesn't happen. He, he's not running late. He's not 10 minutes late to the meeting, like some of us are. I did this at 9.30. I did a side message. So here's what I do. Side message. If you're late to a meeting and yet you have like a Starbucks cup in your hand or a Red Owl or a Just Love, we'll hit all the coffee places, but you're late to the meeting, just get your priorities in order. Okay, so I'll come back to the message now because you had time to go get coffee, but for me, okay. Um, I can say that because I don't drink coffee. You're like, oh, well, you don't really get to, you don't understand. Wesley writes this because late in time, behold him come, because now after hundreds and hundreds of years, at the exact right, perfect time, the time of God's appointment, Jesus arrives. And we know this because Galatians 4, 4 tells us so. And it says this, but when the set time had fully come, so that means that everything had, that God had put in motion, now everything was in place, and it was now time. Everything was ready now. All the prophecy, everything was now here in this moment. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And all these are, are prophesied. And Galatians 4 leads us right into the next line in this stanza because it says, the offspring of a virgin's womb. I mentioned at 9.30, because our, our kids sit over here together at 9.30 with our kids' pastor, Kristen, and I mentioned that if you weren't sure what this line of the hymn means, to be sure and talk to our kids' pastor, Kristen, after the service, so I'll just offer that to you as well, um, if you're not sure what offspring of a virgin's womb means exactly. But there's no other way around this. Okay? The conception and birth of Jesus was miraculous. But this was something that, like I said, hey, maybe there's something new to learn, new to understand. It's not just that Jesus was born of a virgin that is miraculous. What's also miraculous is that it was prophesied that it would happen that way. I mean, God made it very clear in all the fullness of time that he was, that Jesus was going to be the Messiah, that all the signs were going to be there, that all the prophecy was going to be fulfilled, and that you would know when Jesus came that he was the Christ, Messiah, 
Savior of the world. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, we read this. This is the prophecy. Hundreds of years before Jesus came. And it says, look. So it's another one of those like, hark, listen, look, look. The virgin will conceive a child. That's a weird prophecy. And it just says, she will give birth to a son. Let's remember, she's a virgin. This is a strange prophecy, but it will be fulfilled in Jesus. We see it in Scripture. And it says, we will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. So this takes us right to the next line of the stanza where it says, this is another one that's a little bit like strangely worded. And it says, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Now what the Godhead means here, it means all of God, the fullness of God, the, the Trinity, if you will, the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, everything of God is the Godhead. And now it's saying that we see all of God veiled in flesh. We see God in the flesh is what this line means. And it's taken from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, where we see this. It says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory, and this is where we get Godhead, what it means. It means the exact representation of his being. See, the greatest glory that God displayed ever was his decision to come for us in the flesh, like us, as one of us. That's where we get this word incarnate. It means in flesh incarnate where we get our word meat like this is incarnate it is here in the flesh and like i said the godhead refers to this the fullness of all of god of who he is so wesley means that in christ we see the fullness of god he's not a copy jesus is not you know other religions try to say oh yeah jesus was here but he was just a man jesus was here but he wasn't really here like you just saw him you know like I don't know, hologram version or something. like that. That's what other religions try to say. But no, he was fully here. He was fully man. He was not like a, a pirated version you know, of the original. He is God and man. And just like the first stanza, what we find is there are these couple of lines that, that describe for us who this Messiah is, who Christ is, why he is uh, praised. And now we get the how do you praise him what should we do in response to this information and this is what it says in the stanza the next line hail the incarnate deity hail is another word we don't use a lot but to hail something means it's a word it means to greet it means to to honor it means to to acknowledge it means to acclaim so when we hail the incarnate deity, it's saying that we are receiving Christ as God in the flesh. We are receiving him as the incarnate deity. And we say, I believe this to be so. Hail the incarnate deity. Christ, the Messiah, has come. And Philippians 2, verse 7, tells us this, that he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. He came just like us, in the flesh, incarnate. And then the next line, it says this, another one of these strange written lines, pleased is man with men to dwell. Pleased is man with men to dwell. That means 
that he was pleased as God in the flesh to dwell among us, to be present with us. And I really could have spent the whole time just talking about this word dwell and the power of it and the, and the, the nature of, of the significance of it. But I won't do that, so. John 1, 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He came, he's here. And there's so much in this word. See, when, when Jesus came, he was not temporary. Now, he was only here for 33 or so years that we know of, which, depending on how old you are, you either think, oh, that's kind of, he lived a long time, and others were like, he hardly lived at all. But for over three decades, he was here in the flesh. And the reason that, that I think that is so important is because what it shows is that God was committed to us. He made a home among us. He wasn't a house guest. He wasn't like sleeping on the couch for a couple of days. God, no, he was here, fully here, fully experiencing life, fully experiencing everything that you and I have experienced. He's not a far-off God. He gets us. Listen, some of us, we just want... We just want someone to get us. And I want you to understand, Jesus gets us. He gets us. He didn't just stop in, right? He didn't, he didn't come. You know, what, what is interesting to me is what he could have done is that he could have just shown up every now and then and then gone back up to heaven. He could have come and, and did the Sermon on the Mount, right? And, and said all these things about here's what the kingdom of God's going to look like. He, and then gone back to heaven. He could have come and healed people and gone back to heaven. He could have, he could have come and, and you know, multiplied the loaves and fishes and gone back to heaven and, and all these different things and healed blind people and healed the sick and raised people from the dead and coming back and coming back and go, go. But he didn't do that. He was here among us. And I think that is so profound because he gets us. He was committed to us. He wanted us to know that he was for us. And I want you to hear this because so many of us are craving something real and we are craving something that is, that is right now and present and I want you to know that Jesus was real and he was present and by the power of the Holy Spirit he is just as real and just as present today. And so Christ has chosen, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, has chosen to dwell among us. Which leads to the next line. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Jesus. The first time that this name is mentioned in the hymn, and it goes back to Isaiah 7, 14, it says, she will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Jesus, our Emmanuel. See, up to this point, we've been introduced to him as king and as Messiah, as Christ, as the incarnate deity, and now he is given the name Jesus, our Emmanuel. He, he is our savior. He is the one who has come for us, literally. We're gonna see more about this name Jesus as we look at the third stanza next week. But Wesley reminds us of that he is Emmanuel, he is with us. 
And then as most songs go, there comes the refrain. And it, and it gives us this opportunity to, to uh, express praise back to God for what we just heard. And that's why I love how this was written and, and, and put together this way. Because see, what we get to do is praise God with this hymn. We praise God for this glorious gift of this King, this Messiah, this Christ, this incarnate deity, Jesus, our Emmanuel. And so we get to say, hark, the herald angels sing glory to the newborn King. Glory to God in the highest. There is no one greater, and there is no praise that is greater. Glory to the newborn King. And so, Porch Community, what I want to reiterate to you this morning, because I think it's so important, I think it, this is the, the crux of it all, is that Christ, the, the newborn King, the incarnate deity, the one who has come to dwell among us, to save us, is the answer. You've had questions? This is the answer. You've been wondering? This is the answer. You've been searching? Jesus is the answer. You've been in need? Christ is the answer. If you've been searching for who you are and why you are and you've been searching for purpose and you've been searching for acceptance and you've been searching for love and you've been searching for all these things, I want you to know today that Christ is the answer to all, all that you've been looking for. And I fully believe that is why you are hearing this message on this day at just the right time. So I'm going to ask you to do something with me that we don't often do, but I, I want to do it together this morning because it's so important. And I'd ask if you would pray this prayer with me out loud. Would you repeat each line after me? Let's all pray this together. Father, thank you for Jesus, our Emmanuel. I believe that Jesus has come for me. I thank you that he walked on this earth. I believe that he gave his life so that I might live. The debt of my sin paid for by Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the everlasting Lord. I receive this new life offered through Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Listen friends, if you just with understanding prayed that for the first time ever, we want to know. We want to know because we want to celebrate with you that most important moment of your life. I mean, it's that important. I mean, this is why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come so we could sing carols and hymns. Jesus didn't come even so that, that we could just get together every single week. He came so that you would have life. He came for the forgiveness of your sin so that you could live in the newness of life. And then all those other things are celebrations of that fact. They're celebrations of that reality that he has come for you and for me. And so we want to know. So if you prayed that for the first time, would you let one of the staff know before today is over? Let us know. 
grab Justin, me, any of us, Tinley, Sutherland, Kristen, anybody. If they look like they know what they're doing, tell them. Hey, I prayed that prayer. Now what? Oh, friends, the now what is so cool. It's not easy, but it's amazing. It's the life that you were intended to live into, which is why God reconciled us through Jesus. We've been brought into this glorious relationship with him. We want to know, so let us know. DM us if you're watching online or, or you know, message, carrier pigeon, you know, smoke signals, whatever you got to do. We want to know because we want to walk alongside of you on this incredible journey. This is why Jesus came. This is why we sing, hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king.